Yeah. 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 Booming down Sabonet like Lou Will. Six men like Lou Will. Hello, fellow basketball lovers. Welcome back to the Sixth Man Podcast after an extended layoff. But we're back uh, with yours truly, Alex Moskowitz from the Emory Real Sports section. And Aaron Perlstein from Fan Sighted and Fans Are Active. Okay. Um, so this podcast will be broadcast on all platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So, let's get into the NBA Finals. Am I right? Okay. It's been two close, highly competitive games. Um, one going the Raptors' way and the second going the Warriors' way. So, uh, Aaron, give me some takeaways, baby. I mean, <clears throat> the first game, the Raptors had this this fluidity on offense. Uh, you know, they were getting a lot of open shots, but they were hitting a lot of them. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of them, they were all looking for their shots. They were all, uh, you know, not going too fast and um, <clears throat> continuing to move the ball. But in the, sec- in the second game, uh, in the second half of that game, yeah. they started to just become stagnant. They, uh, they, took, they forced some shots. They uh, weren't getting all the shots that they wanted because Steve Kerr, they, they, they kind of created a new scheme. And it totally just destroyed their whole chemistry on offense and their whole movement. You know, they uh, decided they started to play more isolation ball. They reverted back to their um, start of the playoffs where it was mostly just a pick and roll with Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. You know, there there wasn't that like that was the biggest fear with me when I when I was, you know, a big hater on the the Raptors. Right. Was that, you know, they they solely did a pick and roll with Kawhi Leonard and everyone kind of watching the ball and waiting if, for a shot. And they kind of reverted back to that in the second half, and that's why it kind of didn't go their way. I mean, if you also look at the statistics, they had all the chances to win that game. They could be up 2 nothing. They should be. They should be. I mean, they shot like 34% off of passes. Right. Which, like, that just shouldn't and happen. 29% from three. They were below their averages in the playoffs and from the field and from three-point by a good 5%. Um, they shot 38 threes. When yeah, that's way too many. Yeah, Five yeah. more than game one. Yep. And I'm a big advanced stats guy. You know, when they shoot 35 threes and under, they're 11 and 0. Okay. Yeah. Um, they fell in love with it. They also, fell- I think they they became so one dimensional on offense. I mean, we saw in game two when they were spreading the shots around. Everybody pointed to Kawhi Leonard not having a good game and saying like, "Oh, this," you know, the fact that they won without Kawhi Leonard. Having a game, having a good game was very impressive, but in my opinion, it was more just the balance on offense mm-hmm. because you had Siakam taking seventeen shots, Gasol taking ten, Larry taking double digits, Leonard taking only thirteen, but he was very efficient. Scored twenty three on thirteen shots. He was still efficient in this game. He definitely wasn't the problem, but you know, you know, role players like Siakam, Gasol, their front court really played poorly. Shot twenty eight percent from the field. And that those are your two front court players. Right. Like, those guys are on the inside. They shouldn't be shooting twenty eight percent from the field. Right. I mean, if you look at the first half and game one, their big X factors were when the Warriors would do their little uh, would would do their switches off pick and rolls and off uh, screens. They would get Marcus or Pascal Siakam on Clay Thompson exactly. or Austin McCurry, and, and that's where they would take yeah, advantage. Feed them, right. feed them instead of just saying Kawhi Leonard, you're at the top of the key, right? And we're just going to run a pick and roll because. What the Warriors would do is they would ice that pick and roll, so they force him away from the screen, and have another guy playing Kawhi, um, and basically kind of 
serving as a quasi trap and kind of making him give it up without actually trapping. Right. And I mean, that hurts their fluidity on offense. There's no many more, no more, more assists or hockey assists. There's none exactly. of that. I mean, they're 11 and 0 when they have 25 plus assists. And the Warriors look like they took their recipe. They had 34 assists in this game. And their last 22 field goals, all their field goals in the second half were assisted on. Mm-hmm. It's pretty insane. Yeah, I mean. But it also kind of shows you could say, like, the Warriors have great ball movement, but you can also point to the fact that the Warriors really lack that isolation score that they had in Mr. Kevin Durant. Yeah, I mean, I was sure after watching that first half that, you know, the the whole momentum of the series was not how I thought it was going to go. I thought that the Raptors would come out strong again in the second half, and I thought they would take control of this whole series going up to nothing. Yeah. I and mean, they, they I, dominated the first half up until the last few minutes where they let Curry get going, knock down a few threes, and that momentum carried into the second half. Right. I mean, but also at the same time, the Warriors can't sustain just having two guys Definitely. being able to shoot. I mean, not even only being able to shoot. There's no one else on that court that is willing to shoot. Yeah, I mean, Kevon Looney hurt his collarbone. He's out for He's the out finals. for the series, yeah. Right. But with Draymond Green, you know, not really willing to shoot, with Andre Godala being given around 15 feet of space, I yeah. know he hit the clutch shot, but still I don't trust him with yeah, shooting. No. I mean – well, Draymond Green hasn't made a hasn't made a three in the finals. Mm-hmm. I, they that need used to, to be his something big weapon, out. yeah. And I mean, <clears throat> there needs to be some situation, some way Steve Kerr figures out a, a lineups, especially if Clay Thompson can't play next game, especially if Kevin Durant isn't ready. He needs to figure out lineups that will generate mm-hmm. scoring opportunities. You know, Quinn well, Cook, Quinn had, Cook the, exactly. had those opportunities, but you don't know if they're going to be there that game. And they're just in a really tough spot. And maybe it was a fluke by the Raptors. Hopefully they revert back to their offensive, you know, their early offensive plays. They, they Hopefully they stayed with their conference final and game one systems. But both uh, the Warriors are in trouble if they, they still have all these injuries. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, a big takeaway from game two as opposed to game one was the front court of the Raptors dominated the Warriors. And then... In game two, the front court of the, of the Raptors really played poorly, and the Warriors' uh, big man, Draymond Green and DeMarcus Cousins, really stepped up and played, you know, or had a huge impact on every facet of the game. So, so game one, 52 points for Gasol and Siakam on 74% shooting. Game two, 18 points on 28% shooting. Like, I mean, you like that can't happen if you're going to beat the Warriors. You really need – your role players, and especially guys who are considered your second and third options in Siakam and Gasol, Spicy P, and Big Spaniard, um, you need them to really contribute. Um, and game one for the Warriors, Cousins and Green both uh, underperformed. You know, Green turned the ball over a lot, didn't shoot the ball efficiently, um, and Cousins provided nothing, zero points on eight minutes. And then came in in game two, provided 28 minutes, um, Almost messed around and got a triple-double, Cousins. And Draymond, 17 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. So pushing the pace, you know, igniting their offense. So really, whoever wins the front court, in my opinion, will win the series. Well, it's more in the sense that who's going to win the supporting cast. It could be the, the, the backcourt, too. It was the same thing in the Bucks series also. Kawhi Leonard, he will produce. He will yeah. do what he needs to do. But it's the people that are behind him it's the bench unit it's Danny Green it's it's the guys that you know create the team help on defense but they need to help 
help on offense, you know. Um, <clears throat> they only, outside of Fred Van Vliet, who played 38 minutes, they only had 14 points on the bench. And that's just not getting it done. Like, I know... Well, the, I, well, the thing is, the problem is they... Or, well, I think the problem with that statistic is the fact that there's there were only two other guys who came off the bench. So how much can you really expect? It's not like a regular season bench where you're looking at bench points and saying, like, this is important. But I agree with your point about the sporting cast. You look at Kyle Larry's played poorly in both games, fouled out in the last game. Uh, Danny Green got exposed by Steph Curry, knocked down a big three late, but really hasn't had the impact that, you know, you expect of a guy who's been there and won the NBA Finals before with the Spurs. Uh, Marcus Sol, a former All-Star, played horribly last game. Horribly. Yeah. I mean, he I, scored six points and really provided no impact defensively and offensively. He got bossed around by Boogie Cousins. I agree with what you're saying, uh, but I'm a big fan of Kyle Lowry. Uh, I think he does a lot of intangibles that are Definitely. not that are not categorized, that are not counted as stats, you know, all the charges he takes, all the – <clears throat> you know, even the the good fouls he takes for the team, those kind of things, you know, you, you need that guy on the team. And he's not a big scorer. And maybe it would help if he would. Uh, I mean, he averaged 16 a game this season. Really, he needs to he needs to right, he's, simply he's play his away role. From that. He needs to play his role that he thrived in in the Bucs series where he's knocking down shots and doing the little things on defense. But the problem is he's doing the little things on defense, but he's not making shots. Mm-hmm. So if you have a guy – like, especially given that, you know, Kyle Lowry has a lot of experience. He's, uh, he's a proven leader. He's the leader of the team because Kawhi isn't really that vocal leader. And when he's not knocking down shots, you you kind of – you question whether he should be on the floor over Fred Van Vliet. And, you know, you need every guy, especially against the Warriors, who are who have – who really reba- rebounded in game two to kind of focus their energy on Kawhi, make it tough on him, made it extremely hard on uh, Pascal Siakam. You need other guys to step up offensively and and help spread the court for Siakam and Leonard to get the driving lanes that they really need. So I, ultimately, that's going to determine, you know, who wins the series. Um, you know, a big development though is the obviously Clay Thompson uh, with eight minutes and thirty seconds left, ninety to eighty-two Warriors went up for a three, tried to draw a foul, and ended up straining his hamstring. Mm-hmm. So his availability for game three is in doubt um in the first half he kept them in the game 18 points 25 points for the game efficient uh and you saw in the last five minutes when they nick nurse switched the raptors defense to a box and one with with curry and with thompson out of the game um and it held them scoreless for the last five minutes until iguodala hit the big shot with 5.9 seconds left so you wonder if thompson isn't able to play you know, like, are they just going to play box and one? And it seems to be effective given the lack of shooting for the Warriors other than Quinn Cook, but he's a defensive liability and has his limitations. Right. I mean, I really, I highly doubt Clay Thompson won't suit up. Um, he's, I highly not, doubt it too, but the question the is, will player. he be hobbled? Like, will he be able to take on the defensive responsibility to guard Kawhi Leonard? Um, given I that his so. ha- I mean, a hamstring is a nagging, difficult injury. So, I think it's Clay Thompson. He's he's always been known as having that net that um, <clears throat> being able to be go through any kind of injury. You know, he he's probably the warrior that's there most of the time, and uh, I, I think he's gonna be perfectly fine. But of course, uh, the stamina and well, yeah. I mean, he in the last, 
I think his his rookie season is the only season where he's played under seventy games. Mm-hmm. And two thousand this year, past year, seventy eight games. Year before that, seventy three. Year before that, seventy eight, eighty, seventy seven, eighty one, eighty two. So yeah, I think you're right about him being available. But the question is, how effective will he, will he be? Because really, you saw the lift that he had on his shot in game two as opposed to game one, and that really allowed him to be much more effective and score in bunches. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I understand, and I th- I think he, he's he. Some people could say he's probably the biggest part of their offense because of the movement that he creates. The the open shots that he the not even the open shots the off small screens that he can hit and get the offense rolling um it, it's going to be a big blow if he can't go if he's not productive but you know we're going to have to wait and see if uh if he could, if they could figure it out okay so now let's go into our one of our favorite segments true or false finals the edition. finals edition okay so my first true or false for you Starting Fred Van Vliet over either Kyle Lowry or Danny Green gives the Raptors the best chance to win. I disagree. I uh, I think it's overblown to have the idea that you need to start every single one of your best players. To have a player rested and come in 10 minutes in is not a bad thing. Um, <clears throat> he played 38 minutes last game, uh, much like the second most on the team behind Kawhi Leonard. There's no reason he has to take someone else's job, create adversity. Um, he's he's small. He's six one. I know he's playing well on Stephen Curry, but he team defense wise, off ball, he is a liability. He uh, you know he gets lost sometimes. He he lets Curry get some cuts. Uh, so yes, on ball, laterally, up the court, he is very good at containing Curry, but. There's no reason for him to have to start the game and take out a lengthy guard like Danny Green, someone who's 6'5". And, uh, yeah, his defense is lagging sometimes, but is a really good off-ball defender. Um, Lowry, I mean, he's he's the team's glue. Yeah, I know he's not scoring, but he's doing all the intangibles that they need. And if you really want to get down to the analytics, Lowry and Van Vliet have had the same plus-minus the last two games. So... I don't think it's hurting either their production having him come off the bench, and I don't think it's going to help production at all switching that around. Okay. So I'm going to say true. I think starting Fred Van Vliet gives the Raptors the best chance to win. I mean, the Warriors went on their 20 to nothing run while Fred Van Vliet was on the bench. So, I mean, that should say something about the importance of his team. Like Aaron pointed out, his plus minus was plus 11 in the last game. Danny Green's was plus two. So clearly they were a better team with him on the floor. He had three steals while guarding Steph Curry, um, which was more than um, than Danny Green, who had zero steals. Um, so also he provided more offense than Danny Green did. And in the playoffs, especially given how much time there is between each game uh, during the finals, you know, Really, you can have your starters play 43 minutes. You really don't need a bench. You don't need to go 10 deep or even 8 deep for that matter. So you should have your best players in, especially at the beginning of the game, at the beginning of each half, which proved to be huge You know, in the last game, given that they didn't have Van Vliet in the beginning of the third quarter, and the Warriors went on the deciding run that ultimately won them the game. What do you mean? I mean, having a good player on a team 
is having a good player on a team. You know, we ha- see these guys. What we see old old Doesn't teams like Dallas Mavericks, like uh, <clears throat> the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Miami Heat. When they were going through their championship runs, they all had a pivotal sixth man, a pivotal sixth man that would come off the bench and produce, regardless of yeah, they were probably good enough to start. They were probably good enough to take someone else's thing. I mean, sometimes people they would be starting like Shane Battier a few years ago, the Heat, or they or the <clears throat> the Mavericks would be playing uh, Peja Stojakovic, like people that are our liability on one side of the ball, but. To have him out there and to have some have someone you know you can trust off the bench, it's not going to alter production in any way. Switching that around, but in my opinion, given you know the extreme um, hot and cold nature of the Warriors and the fact that they can really turn it up on you in a second, and I mean you saw in Game Two, twenty to run at the beginning of the third quarter where Van Vliet wasn't on the court. Danny Green, he played his majority in the Danny second Green half. Had, what about the first? Danny half? Green had plus or Fred Van Van Vliet had a plus nine or better nine points better while he was on the court than Danny Green. So you take those minutes that Danny Green was on the court, you shift them to Fred Van Vliet, the Raptors win the game because, you know, it was decided by five points. Okay, but Fred Van Vliet played his majority of minutes in the second half. What about the first half where they were cooking, they were rolling, their offense had fluidity? What about that? Well, I mean, you saw that – like the Raptors didn't play well at the beginning. Like they were, they were, they weren't they hitting were, open they shots. They were tied. But... They were tied at the beginning until Fred VanVleet got in, and he did play 38 minutes. You know, you point to that, but that that pivotal stretch, you need him in the game. You need him starting. He provides much better defense against Steph Curry, and the numbers have proven that, given how inefficient Curry was in Game Two while VanVleet was guarding him, and also then you have. Then you have Kyle Lowry. It doesn't switch around roles, substituting Van Vliet for Danny Green. It doesn't switch around the role that Kyle Lowry would be playing because he'd still be playing to the lane and helping off Andre Iguodala and taking charges. So really, in my opinion, I mean, Van Vliet's better on offense. He's proved to be better on ball and off ball, um, you know, against Curry on defense. And, and, um, and yeah, I think Van Vliet would provide the Raptors with the best chance to win if he was starting. Okay, so the next true or false, Pascal Siakam, after his 5-for-18 game in Game 2, is not a viable second-scoring option for the Raptors. That's such bullshit. Of course he is. He's the most improved player. He's going to be winning that in a few weeks, okay? he He's shooting 54% in this series. I mean, it, <laughs> he's one of the lengthiest players in the league. He He's a switching nightmare for the Warriors, uh, when when they when he sets a screen for someone and then he ends up uh, Thompson has is on him and he can take him into the post and bully him there. He he is an insane, an insanely important part of the Raptors offense. And yeah, he had a tough shooting game game too. But every person on the Raptors had a tough shooting game. They shot twenty eight percent from three. I mean, they were missing open shots, and it wasn't just him. They just had a bad team offensive game. And his, he is – I just – I don't even know what to say. He's He is the most improved player this year. He's shown it in the playoffs time and time again. I mean, you saw him go 14 for 17 game one. Why are you going crazy when he went 5 for 18? Well, you know, the problem with Spicy P is although his shot has improved, I'm not going to say whether he's not a viable second scoring option or not, 
because he has he has produced well in the playoffs, 19 points, 47% from the field over the course of the playoffs, 36 minutes played, duh, you know, rebounded. He's a matchup nightmare. But, you know, when he isn't able to get into the paint like he wasn't, you know, in game two, do you trust his jump shot enough to make him that's like that second scoring option that can really go get you a bucket? And and the fact of the matter is he shot 29% from three during the playoffs. And although he was improved in the regular season at 37%, you know, that's dipped down. So, you know, obviously you have Kawhi Leonard who really, you know, when, when you need a bucket, you can go to him. But even in last game, in the last game, he, he only took three, three threes and missed all of them. So the question is, or there, there are still question marks about whether he can be that viable second scoring option for the Raptors to beat the Warriors. Okay, next true or false. The big question is, Kawhi Leonard is leaving the Raptors whether they win the championship or not. True or false? Uh, that's a hard one. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to take a, the dark horse on that. I, I say it's false. Um, I think this idea that he's going to take a short-term deal and then join free agency again soon because of the run that the Raptors made and maybe they could continue this continue the surge and continue everything that they had. I think that's going to be compelling to him. I think that's going to be something that he's going to be interested in. You know, he gets a, he gets a one or two year deal with a player option or something like that. And uh, I, I think that's the most, the most, the smartest move he can make. Okay. What do you think? Although I want it to be false. I think it's true. Of course, yeah. There's, there's. I, I'd rather have him stay with the Raptors because I love the fit. I love the city of Toronto, the energy that they bring. You know, Jurassic Park is amazing, but you know, all the signs point him to point to him leaving. You know, he grew up in L.A. Um, the Clippers, you know, from a basketball perspective, they they were the eighth seed and they took the Warriors to six games, and really, they're really missing that star to build their entire team around. They have a lot of young pieces who could help him grow up or who could help, you know, who could grow with him and continue to improve. And really with the Raptors, they have a, they have an older roster. You know, obviously you have Pascal Siakam who's young, but other than that, out of their rotation, most of their guys are in their prime or at the end of their prime. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're win ready. And that's why I'm saying they're win now. So it makes sense. So I think, you know, he wants to, Ultimately, it's going to come down to where he wants to live. Uh, well, he wants I, to live in LA. Do you hear this new these new reports about what Toronto's done though? The quiet oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I've what heard that. Most like, restaurants they've signed that he could pay. He could I also heard. Free. I also heard the Clippers are trying to buy the rights to uh, the Claw logo. Okay, well, there was a new report in Toronto. A billionaire, uh, a realtor billionaire, has offered him his three million three million dollar penthouse for free if he stays. Well, ultimately, that like. I mean, Kawhi's gonna have as much money I'm as he wants. I'm just saying so the that, loyalty that, that so they're showing. Sorry, it doesn't just matter. After one year, that, that doesn't matter for me. That doesn't matter for me. Um, ultimately, Kawhi's gonna get a huge deal, yes. two hundred plus million. I mean, three million dollars is chump change for that, given his advertising. And right, but it's just a like loyalty that. show. Oh, definitely. But you know, I think based on the basketball fit, given that the Clippers like are a competent team still, they have a great coach, um, and He's from the area. He loves L.A. He wanted to go there originally. I think he's leaving, unfortunately. Okay. True or false? Draymond Green is his top 15 player in the NBA. Go. True. 
I think he's a dynamic player. He's not a great scorer, but he's shown like I'm, I was a big Draymond hater, but he's shown in these playoffs his high IQ, his high fundamentals, the the way that he can control the tempo while being a big man and being a defensive stopper. You know, he's he's blocking everyone. He's out rebound out rebounding the taller Raptors players, and he's taking control of the offense when Stephen Curry is uh, lacking. I think he's 100% a top 15 player in this league. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I do the the question is under these circumstances is he a top 15 player or under other circumstances? Because I think overall him as a player, he's not a top 15 player in the NBA. But within the system, he is. Because really what makes him so great is the fact that there's so much spacing and they play at such a fast tempo that he doesn't have to be that conventional big man where he has to bang with the big guys under the boards. Yeah, I don't think he, and, he fits the mold of the NBA game. But, yeah, you're, I think you're right. The system that he plays in, I think. He, yeah, he under the system yeah, that he plays in, he's a top 15 player. I mean, you look at his last game, 17 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. And he had a triple-double game one. Exactly. So I think, you know, given the weight loss, he looks increasing or more mobile than he was. And i got to say the lack of bitching making me like him a little bit more yeah he, he has he's put he has, that a little yeah, bit aside like he still it. complains but yeah i like it um okay demarcus cousins is still worth a big money multi-year deal in free agency uh, i don't think so I, yeah i, I agree I, false uh, i mean he's played like like 10 games this season no that's not the only reason i think he is a dynamic and powerful player but i think it's just a torn achilles that's that's very hard to come back from you know it's just your mobility your speed it's going to be forever changed and I think he might have to change his game around. It might create lagging injuries. He might become one of those players like Dwayne Wade that, you know, he might get to the arena to play the game and his knee or his Achilles starts acting up and he's sore. You know, that might be his career. And yeah, even I mean, though he is a dynamic scorer and a productive player, I don't think he's worth a max. In the last five years, there's been one year, 2016, where he's played more than 70 games. He mm-hmm. played 72. Yeah. Ultimately, durability is the most important thing that NBA teams look for. Because mm-hmm. if you're not out there, no matter how good you are, he's a great – he's a very talented player, very talented, despite the attitude issues and the fact that he's never won before, um, even in college. But he's not out there. So I don't think he's worth a big money multi-year deal, and it's just that simple. Good. Mm-hmm. Drake, the super fan for the Raptors, uh, is bad for the series and the NBA. What do you think? False. I think it's great. I think it increases exposure. I think it just makes it more fun. I love his trash talking. Um, I think, you know, ultimately, like, I think it's the more exposure, the fact that, you know, he's not breaking any rules by trash talking these players. I think they all like it. It's all in good fun. I mean, Draymond said after the game, he loves it. He loves when Drake, like, you know, fuels the fire. I think it's similar to Spike Lee. And what he did with the Knicks in 94, he was always talking to the players. And I think, you know, it increases the fun within the game because ultimately, I think we we always forget that, you know, the NBA is entertainment. It's not just competitiveness. It's not just competing. It's entertainment. So I think it's good for the NBA. No, yeah, I agree. I think uh, he's the, the biggest uh, reason why we have a whole new country in our fan base. And that's looking great for the the sport of basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, so last one, the Raptors have the upper hand going into game three. I agree. 
Um, given the injuries that the Warriors sustained in game two, Thompson being hobbled, Looney after the playoffs, Iguodala still injured, Durant not coming back, um, Cousins, you know, was forced to play a huge role, and who knows how he'll respond to that. Um, I think the Raptors have the upper hand. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, uh, the Raptors do look good and much better than I thought they would in this finals. But going into Oracle, losing that game too, it might seem very important. That might that game might uh, seem pivotal because if Kevin Durant comes back, that they, they have to play two games in Oracle. That game might have been very important, and the Warriors might have taken a little bit of the momentum. Well, I think you know, obviously they they could have grabbed a stranglehold of the series and forced the Warriors to rush Durant back, rush all their players back. And, um, and yeah, they could have grabbed a real stranglehold on it and taken it to the Warriors, but I still think they have the upper hand given the injuries. Also, you know, their box and one proved effective at the end of the, at the end of the, um, of game two. Uh, they held the Warriors scoreless over the final five minutes. Um, obviously given all the injuries um, with the Warriors, and the fact that, you know, I think the Raptors will fix their game plan. I think they'll rely less on the three. They'll pound it inside. I think their front court and their role players will play better. I think they have the experience necessary, given that Kawhi's won, Kawhi's won before, won the finals. Danny Green's won. Marcus Gasol's experienced. I think uh, they're going to win game three. I think they have the upper hand. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, but we're going to have to see the injury. Uh, that's just really important to me. I think whoever is available for the Warriors is going to really make this game you know, if uh, if they do have their uh, their players back and they're healthy and they're productive, it's not going to be good for the Raptors. But <clears throat> if Clay Thompson's out and they continue to play the boxing one that was effective, the Raptors could come out in the game in game one in Oracle. Okay, so thank you so much, folks. Um, uh, thanks for tuning in, and um, yeah, uh, have a great game three. We will be back on air on Thursday. Uh, see you then.